everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the Postcast, production of the Casper Star Tribune and Pokes Authority. I am Davis Potter, Wyoming beat writer for the Star Tribune, and I am joined, as usual, by our managing editor, former Wyoming beat Nick, Brandon Foster. Brandon, what's happening? Hey, Davis. Uh, how's it going? I I usually try to avoid, you know, doing too much uh, forced banner at the start here, because I know it's a a pain to edit these things, and you don't need a, a larger <laughs> file than you're already going to get, and our readers want to get to the books. But today, I felt like we needed to take a step back and talk about your jambalaya pictures. Um, um, yeah, what do you want to know? I mean, it, I, I, uh, I, it looks incredible. <laughs> dude, yeah, I uh, that is one thing I do miss is the the southern cuisine. So um, I do cook that often, but uh, yeah, I like to share those photos. Um, Cooking is just like a, uh, I don't know, it's sort of, uh, sort of therapeutic for me. Like mm-hmm. I, I just enjoy it, and so I share that stuff not only because the, the food's good, but maybe that'll uh, encourage some other people to, to to cook more, particularly during this pandemic when um, you know maybe money might be a little tighter than usual, or you're, or you're not going out to to restaurants as, as often. Um, so I, I like to do that. Maybe give. Because I include a picture of all the ingredients too, so maybe I'll uh, convince some some people out there to 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 get in, into cooking a little bit more. I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah. I uh, highly recommend anyone, uh, you know, pull up Davis's Twitter and, and scroll down <laughs> and and take a look. So how long, like altogether, how long did it take you to to make that? Um, it's about forty minutes, I would say. Mo- most of it's actually okay. in the uh, in the prep because, mm-hmm. um, I mean. I know some people probably have more fancy equipment, but I, I still like mints and chop all the vegetables and stuff up by hand, so it takes me a little bit longer. But um, the cooking's not that bad. I mean, like like a dish like that, it's just like you wait like twenty minutes for everything to to simmer and, and cook together, and then then you're good. So gotcha. And are there are there? I know with gumbo, there's uh, I feel like uh, a lot of you know, debate in the South maybe about what, what a proper gumbo is. Is is jambalaya similar? Are there, you know, is there is there an Alabama style versus a Louisiana style or a Mississippi style of jambalaya, or is it all pretty uh, pretty standard fare? Yeah, I don't know. As far as the jambalaya, I've, I've, I always just have the, the Creole or Louisiana version. That, that's, I don't recognize any other version. I just, okay. I, love, <laughs> I, I love that one. So I've, I've never tried to make anything else, to be honest with you. Gotcha. Uh, but yeah, I appreciate that uh, that plug, Brandon. Uh, anybody that wants to, it's uh, interested more in that, you can follow me on Twitter at Davis E. Potter. But uh, Brandon, I'm uh, so it bumps me out that you feel like you have to force banner with me. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I don't have to, but I I, uh, I try not to force it if nothing's coming to me. So yeah. I know people want their right. they're 45 minutes and out. They they're they're living busy lives. Yeah, yeah. Well. Um, anyway, back on topic to what, uh, <laughs> we want to discuss here today, uh, regarding Wyoming athletics, uh, Brandon, we'll, uh, we'll talk a little bit of basketball because Wyoming did return to the court on Thursday night. And then, um, uh, Tim Polisek, we had our first media session with Wyoming's new offensive coordinator earlier this week. And so we'll, we'll, uh, sort of dissect a little bit of, of what he said to the media earlier this week, but, um, start on the hardwood, Brandon and, uh, Wyoming played its first game in 13 days, Thursday night at Utah State. And, uh, you know, there were times that 
Wyoming didn't necessarily look like a team that had had that long of a layoff, looked crisp, didn't necessarily look at looked like it had a lot of rust to shake off, and then other times it did. And but really, it was a tale of two halves for for Wyoming. And look, this isn't any secret with this Wyoming team. I mean, anytime they go up against an opponent with a, with a formidable front court, um, you know that, that's a disadvantage for Wyoming, just because. You know they're not there yet, and that's not how this team is comprised because they just they just don't have necessarily the size and the physicality uh, overall at this point. And then you throw in um, the fact that Wyoming's going against the best overall big in the Mountain West, and without a doubt the best defensive center in, in the league in Nemesh Kata. And you knew Wyoming was going to have to shoot the ball well from the perimeter uh, to have a shot, but. Didn't really do that consistently. First half, they came out hot, made eight threes. Um, second half, they finished one of 14 from beyond the arc, and really I think that was the difference in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting to see, you know, you mentioned they started two bigs for the first time, and, you know, uh, interesting to see them, you know, try some, some different tactics, uh, and unfortunate that it, you know, ultimately uh, came down to them just not getting the buckets at the end since, you know, the... Uh, the offense has been the the bright spot for this team throughout the year, so it would have been you know a little bit you know cool to see them pull off the upset here if they were able to keep that hot shooting up. But yeah, I mean when it's it's not shocking when you adjust your your style of play that much to you know try to neutralize a a, a star player like that. It's uh, it comes with its consequences. So um, yeah, and I mean throw in the the two week layoff and and there's a lot going on there, but. Um, yeah, I mean, it's good to see them at least, uh, come out and, and, uh, you know, put up a good effort and, uh, you know, it's, it's, they, they knew it was going to be an uphill battle going in. So, um, maybe it's something that, uh, Thompson and, and it's EK, right? Is that the pronunciation for Graham? Yeah. Uh, maybe something they can build on, you know, even just, uh, having to go up against a player like that. Yeah, you mentioned them uh, starting both Hunter Thompson and Graham Ike together for the first time all year. And I wrote about this uh, a little bit uh, in my game story for Trib.com and PokeStory.com. But, you know, they did everything that they possibly could to try to make someone other than Kata beat them. Um, you know, not only starting two bigs together, um, but basically every time down the floor – um, on defense, I should say. So every every defensive possession, they basically sagged off one of Utah State's weaker shooters um, in order to try to get an extra body around Kata. And it, it was, and I don't because Jeff Linder wasn't available to the media after the game, so I don't know if exactly what the main purpose of it was. But it, it didn't look like necessarily that they were trying to double team him once he got the ball on offense because they really didn't send a second defender at him a lot in those situations. It looked like they were more just trying to put a second or third body on him um, mm-hmm. to keep him off the glass as much as they could. Cause I even, I even tweeted out a picture uh, from one of the sequences during the game. I mean, Wyoming had three guys uh, trying to box him out at one point. There was a fourth guy even tra- trailing the play that mm-hmm. was coming in. Um, so they had four guys around him at one point and it, you know, so it was very obvious yeah. And, and, I, and I completely uh, agree with what they did um, because, you know, they, they did everything they could to try to neutralize it. But, I mean, he, he's just uh, – he's a unique talent, and he's so – even doing that, putting two or three bodies mm-hmm. on him all game, 
to try to minimize his impact on the board specifically. I mean, he still finishes with 14 points, 13 rebounds, uh, and five blocks. I mean, he's just so long. I mean, I, I mean, it seems like the, if he put his hands straight up, it just seems like his arm, his hands would like touch the sky basically. But, um, you know, Utah state finished six of 20 from three point range. So right at 30%. So, the plan actually worked. I mean, they didn't lose because, you know, the, the the guys that they left alone around the perimeter knocked down a bunch of threes. You know, Wyoming gave up 38 points in the paint, and it, it, it not all of it really was Kata. I mean, with 14 points, he accounted for less than half of their points in the paint. So this has been the case all year. I mean, they, they struggled to, to stay in front of drivers, keep the ball out of the paint, um, and that that's really what ultimately beat them. And then and – then, um, you know, you add the fact that, you know, you go cold from three there in the second half because, again, when, when you when you have a guy like Kata who's such an elite defender and such an elite rim protector, you know you're not going to get much, you know, close in close range at the rim. So you've got to knock down threes. And, again, first half they did that. You come out and knock down eight in the second half to, to go one of 14 from three. Um, that really made the difference because as bad as, as Wyoming, you know, shot there in the second half, their deficit was still single digits, I guess, right around the 10 minute mark. And then Utah state just sort of went on a run, you know, Kata got hot. He's, you know, as much as you try to minimize him, you're not going to really contain a talent like that, uh, you know, for a whole 40 minutes. Now, I mean, considering Kata was averaging 26 points and 12 and a half boards a game over his last four games, I think Wyoming did as good a job as, as you could possibly expect to do on, on a player like that. Um, but, you know, he finishes with 11 of his 14 points in the second half, four of his blocks there in the final 20 minutes. And, you know, Wyoming had to shoot the ball well, and, they, again, they, they just weren't able to do that down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I feel like I've said this before, but, you know, basketball is, I think, an interesting game where there's just so many possessions in a game that even if, you know, you try to neutralize a strength for another team, over the course of 40 minutes, it's going to, you know, rear its head at some point and, and play and, you know, just kind of shifting what you do best uh, to cater to the other team is often going to be something. Uh, it's going to be a challenge to succeed at that for such, you know, over the course of an entire game. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think there are probably some uh, things that this team needs to fix that just it's not going to probably fix over the course of the season, especially, you know, defense in the in the post in general but um i i i always enjoy teams at least kind of trying something new and and seeing you know throwing something unusual at uh at an opponent rather than you know okay we're gonna line up and play our game and and then uh you know just not even account for the the all-conference guy at the at the center of the other team so uh it 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 looked like davis as well kenny foster my um my uh, cousin got out there Despite um, <laughs> despite Linder saying previously he didn't expect to see him on the court again this year, is that right? Yeah, yeah, an interesting uh, interesting development there because yeah, Jeff had said uh, on Tuesday actually um, when he met with the media that it was highly unlikely that uh, either him or Owen Nelson were going to play this year because of the the injuries that they were dealing with. But uh, yeah, Kenny was, he was out there. I guess you figured something was up when he was actually dressed out and going through warmups. And, and then, uh, you know, he had, he had a, a little wrap on the, the knee that he had injured. Um, but yeah, I think he, he played, um, actually I can see right now. I've got this box score pulled up, but, uh, played just nine minutes, um, finished 0 for two from the field. So, so didn't, didn't score, but, 
Um, yeah, and it's interesting because Jeff said, you know, something would have to change for either of those guys to get back on the floor. So I wonder what what did change in the two days leading up to that game um, since we had talked to him. Because obviously, again, we, we didn't get to uh, talk to Jeff uh, after the game on Thursday night. So I'm not sure what actually did change. But, um, you know, it's an, another body for them and, and, and just particularly an, another shooter for them. If, if he's able to be effective here going into the Mountain West Tournament, that could – that could be a big lift for them. Yeah, uh, just to, just for the record, there's no relation that I'm aware of there. But um, yeah, it's uh, you know I'm, I'm, they'll take all the bodies they can get going into the tourney, and um, yeah, it's um, I I, I uh, to go back real quick. I, I didn't want to cut you off, but that picture you tweeted out that you referred to, yeah, uh, it is pretty wild. You can't you like <laughs> can't even see Kata in that photo. Yeah. It's just like all yellow. It's just four four dudes down in the paint surrounding him. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I I I want I need to ask. Uh, I I feel like the biggest takeaway on social media from the game was uh, everyone uh, getting sick of Doug Gottlieb. Did you did you have the sound on as you were watching? I did not. I actually had the Wyoming. <laughs> I was I actually muted the TV and was listening to Wyoming's radio broadcast just because uh, I wanted to have it pulled up. Uh, for the post game interview yeah. because that was the only I guess media available that that he did after the game was was an interview with the radio crew so I didn't even listen to to Doug Gottlieb but I've I mean I've never hated his broadcasts but yeah I I don't know what he was saying or wasn't saying um, Thursday night because again I, I wasn't listening to it yeah, okay but. yeah I was I was not quite motivated enough to to figure out why everyone was complaining about him but <laughs> um... yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not a huge Doug fan, but he did shout out one of my stories on on a broadcast. Well, shout out, I guess, is different from uh, referring to something I reported, but <laughs> nonetheless, it's, so he, it's yeah. nice to he know. He gave you a, he gave you a, he gave you a plug. Yeah, he didn't he didn't uh, link to the website or anything, but yeah, yeah, there was that. So. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's it's you know, uh, I guess a little bit to build off in that game. I, I don't know if we're still at the point where where moral victories are a thing or not, but, you know, with, with one game to go, uh, I mean, heck, at least they got to play it, you know, getting in one more game against the Aggies, and uh, then they'll they'll have uh, a game Saturday against UNLV. Yeah, and, and look, I don't think effort's a, a question at this point, because, you know, as, as, as weird and as jumbled maybe as this season has been with some of the the, the starts and stops and, you know, not knowing exactly, you know, even when you board a plane to go on a road trip, you know, knowing whether you're actually going to play the game. I mean, the, we've seen games canceled, you know, 15, 20 minutes before tip-off before. So, you know, such a weird year um, and, and then really not being in contention and, and being such a young team, I think it would be easy for this team maybe to just say, yeah, we'll just sort of go through the motions and get to the off season and, you know, try to, you know, continue making – making progress and, and adding some pieces and doing what we need to do is sort of try to take take another step as a program. But I think Wyoming did about as well as it could. I mean, what doomed them was the shooting. I mean, this is a team that's been a, you know been one of the better three-point shooting teams in Mount West all year, and they just had a bad 20 minutes. Uh, because, I mean, they did what they had to do, I think, game plan-wise. Uh, again, I you know, to, to, to try to, you know, minimize Kata as much as you could, that was really their only shot was to do that and to try to make other people beat them. Um, but, you know, good players are going to are gonna be good players at a certain point. Like, Kata was going to to get his at a certain point. Um, I think they did as much as they could. But, 
Um, you know, you can't question the effort with the with this team. I mean, Hunter Thompson, you know, we, we've mm-hmm. talked about him, you know, not necessarily being the most physical big, not being in that in that mold. Um, guy that plays a lot of his game around the perimeter. He records an 11.11 rebound double-double last night. Career high in rebounds for him. Um, a guy that was averaging less than four rebounds uh, per game on the season. Um, you know, he, he got in there and, and mixed it up. And I don't think the defensive effort was was that bad. I mean, this team is what it is defensively, but you hold a Utah State team that has a distinct size advantage on you to less than their season average at home. I mean, this is a this Utah State team that was averaging right at 75 points a game. You hold them to 72. Um, you know, again, you hold them to 30% from three, uh, 45% for the game, which considering Wyoming is usually allowed – you know, teams in conference play to shoot 50% or better from the field, that's actually an improvement. So I don't think they played bad at all. They just had one stretch down the stretch, I guess, where, you know, they, they, they didn't get shots to fall and they, and they were some open looks and just didn't happen. But when you have as many deficiencies as Wyoming has, everything sort of gets magnified and you, you have to execute so well particularly when you're playing the top teams in the Mountain West and a team, obviously, in Utah State that's still fighting for its NCAA tournament life. Um, you know, you, you've, you've got to be really good in all aspects. Um, Wyoming turned the ball over 12 times, so that's 12 more empty possessions on a night where you really couldn't afford to give up possessions since you weren't shooting it well there in the second half. Um, but, I mean, I, I think overall – I mean, this obviously isn't a game that you felt like you gave away or, or you know, you could have won or, right. you know, one of those games where, you, you know, like has been the case in other games this season where Wyoming had a double-digit lead in the second half and, and blew it. Um, I mean, this isn't a game I think you come away if you're Wyoming feeling bad about yourself. I mean, you, you did basically everything you could. You just needed to make a handful more shots to, to really give yourself a chance. Yep. Um. And you know, just <clears throat> one one basketball thing I want to throw there or throw out there as well, real quick. Um, did uh, did the Pokes get Paul Weir fired with that uh, two game sweep sweep of the Lobos, or was that? Uh, I mean, I, I'm being a little facetious there. I know those decisions are made yeah. on on bigger things, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I was I was a little surprised to to see that move uh, happen during such a, a weird season. I feel like in general. Uh, when when the pandemic hit, a lot of people thought uh, there wouldn't be a lot of coaching changes throughout sports. You know, just with, with so many strange variables going on, and that really has not proven to be the case. Um, yeah, that's what the quote unquote experts say. Yeah, right? and then uh, look, college athletic hey, departments found the money. I guess. <laughs> yeah, shocker. Um, yeah, I, they. I don't care what the situation is, man. Like, if you're losing more games than you're winning you're going to lose your job as a coach. Like that. It doesn't matter what situation is because everybody else is, everybody else is competing too. And if teams are passing you by while you meddle at the, with losing records and at the bottom of your conference standings, I mean, change is going to be made. I mean, I don't, I really didn't understand why people ever, ever thought that was going to be a thing where, Oh, just because of a pandemic and, you know, coaches are going to be safe because college athletic departments don't have the money. I mean, they'll, They'll find the money. Like right. It's, you know. But, no, to answer your question, no, I mean, God, I hope not. I, ho- I hope it wasn't <laughs> – I, was I hope New Mexico – it wasn't just two games that uh, made that decision, you know. Um, I was sort of surprised to see it 
um, I guess d- during, I mean, just considering, not necessarily probably because of the pandemic, because of the, because of the circumstances that it created for them, you know, that, I mean, to, mm-hmm. for that team to not have to not be able to play any home games all year, um, you know, and, and have, have to play games at two or three different sites. And I mean, that was just a mess, man, living out of a hotel. And, uh, I, so I was sort of surprised that it came just consider what all, what, what they had to deal with this season. But, you know, I, I think the, the fans in Albuquerque have been sort of restless with Paul Weir, you know, ever since he took over because mm-hmm. I mean, they just the results haven't been there even the last season or two. So, yeah, yeah, he, uh, you know, that's obviously a program that uh, has expectations to be at the top of the conference every year, and they haven't, you know, finished in the top three since since his first season. But yeah, it's just kind of it feels like <laughs> insult to injury when you're already you know not able to play in your hometown and then. Uh, on, on top of that to you know but I, I don't know i'm sure he knew it was coming but I wanted to give a, a quick uh not shout out but I, I think weir is the only coach when i was on the beat on either sport to ever like after the game just like come up and and chat and say what's up to uh to the beat writers to to uh robert gagliardi who was on the beat at the time and i as we were <laughs> headed back to our cars he was just like you know, chatted about the game and about the team with us, uh, and I was like, "Oh, this is uh, this is weird." <laughs> Normally, the, the coaches would not, uh, especially opposing coaches, would prefer not to uh, spend an extra word on the media. So I always thought that was interesting. But he was—he was just kind of a—he was a character from the from the jump as far as kind of his approach to that job. And uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see where where they look next because I think the the Mountain West. Um, you know, has some of these traditional powerhouses that it's probably for the best for the whole conference if they can get back up to uh, where they used to be. Yeah, I will say I think I think the Mount West tournament is going to be pretty interesting this year because I mean I think mm-hmm. there's I mean you know we've talked at length about those those four teams that have been at the top all year um, you know that are NCAA tournament hopefuls but I, I still think that, you know like a like a Nevada or UNLV or um, you know even a, even a Wyoming if they got hot shooting the ball I think that's you know I think there are teams other than you know mm-hmm. the, those top four that are probably going to be the quote-unquote favorites going into it I think there's other teams that could that could sneak up and uh, at least make make a deep run. But speaking of the Mountain West tournament, Thursday's result locks Wyoming into the, the number eight seed um, for the conference tournament next week in Las Vegas. Which I believe I'll have to double check this, but I believe that means they'll they'll play the first game of the tournament uh, next week uh, in the in the eight nine game. Um, so just throwing that out there since that, I guess mm-hmm. that officially um, clinched if you want to use that term, the, the number eight seed for Wyoming. But, yeah, as, as you alluded to, they will uh, – or they're scheduled to. I always like to I always like to say scheduled to or slated to because <laughs> nothing's guaranteed right now. Yeah. So, you never know. But they are scheduled to uh, conclude the regular season back at home at the Arena Auditorium on Saturday uh, for that 9 o'clock tip that we are all so much looking forward to. Um, I guess UNLV, that game will – be shown on CBS Sports Network. Um, but, Brandon, I think we can uh, go ahead and take a break there. Uh, and then when we come back on the other side, we will dissect a little bit of what Tim Polisic had to say in his first uh, interview with the local media.
Welcome back into the postcast. And uh, now, Brandon, I just wanted to sort of skim over um, what Tim Polisic had to say earlier this week, uh, Wyoming's new offensive coordinator, talking to uh, us local media folks for the first time since he was hired uh, last month. And uh, not surprisingly, I mean, he, he talked about how right now, you know, with them being um, you know, I, I guess right at a month out from starting spring practice that the primary focus for him is trying to get the players comfortable with the terminology and, and, and his scheme, um, I guess, heading into the spring and um, said he's trying to, you know, really keep the, the terminology the same as much as you can. But obviously there's going to be some some differences in, in his uh, system. But I guess the biggest takeaways that, that I gathered from that um, or, and the thing that sort of caught my ear was the fact that he said they want to make teams try to defend – all the whole 53 meaning all 53 yards um that you know make up the width of, of a football field and i i think that's that's something that wasn't always necessarily the case in brent vegan's offense because we, we've talked so much about how um you know 95 percent of their of their run plays were between the tackles and really between the the a and b gaps and um so you, you sort of got um you know lulled in with you know sort of you know, doing the same thing all the time, particularly in the running game. And, you know, he talked about how, you know, he, he wants to leverage, uh, you know, teams even on the perimeter and, and get outside and, and use more running plays on the edge and and just make teams defend every inch of the field. And, uh, and along with that, he said, you know, he wants to make teams have to defend every single personnel grouping and all their different formations, which tells me that, you know, there's probably going to be a little bit more um, featured in, in those aspects. And he even talked about how you have to have an element, obviously, of, of your base offense and, and what that's going to be uh, under him, which isn't going to be much different. You know, their identity is not changing. They're still going to be that pro-style power run offense. Um, but, you know, you, you, you have to mix in other elements with that. And he talked about having an element of the option game and even having an element of the empty sets, which is, I know, something that, we, that we've talked about on, on a previous podcast um, because, that, you know, he, he used those formations um, a lot when he was the play caller at North Dakota State. Um, so, I mean, it certainly sounds like you, you could see, you know, empty sets just as often as maybe they, they might run out 12 or even 21 personnel out there. But I think the, the overriding theme there is that he talked about how he also wants this offense to be predictably unpredictable. So I, I think you're going to have a situation or at least that's what, what it sounds like. Um, that you, you know, you, you, he wants to keep the defense guessing and wants them to not know exactly, you know, who might be getting the ball on any given play. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know, I guess just to go back to what you you mentioned first, as far as kind of the making sure that they're all using the same terminology, as you know, they're on all on the same page. I think it's always kind of uh, fascinating when you know a new, especially a new coordinator comes in and mentions that, and, and it's not something that I think fans or, or even reporters you know think about too much you know it doesn't necessarily tell you what this offense is going to look like but it it is yeah. a critical part of that first spring for a new coordinator and and uh at the end of the day if, if, if you don't have that down you know each time a player screws something up or, or a coach screws something up it's gonna ruin a whole play so it, it's kind of like a, a a boring maybe part of that transition but it, it's kind of the first thing you've got to hammer out 
Um, I'm, I'm almost shocked kind of it, it doesn't result in, in mistakes more frequently. Um, just w- especially with some of the complexity that uh, these college offenses can have. But, um, but, yeah. but yeah, I guess, you know, when, uh, when you mentioned kind of spreading the ball across the, the width of the field, I think you're right that, you know, the, the average uh, play over the last few years has very much been uh, not very wide. I would say, you know, kind of up the gut and, <laughs> Very narrow, yeah, yeah. and and you know when when you mentioned that the first thing that popped to my mind as far as Wyoming offenses using the the full width of the field is uh, ironically a, a game that they played against a Tim Polisek team, which was the twenty seven season open or excuse me twenty seventeen season opener at Iowa, and um, you know some some uh, Wyoming fans may already be rolling their eyes at the memory of this game, but uh, it was it was a high-profile game. It was uh, obviously at a Big Ten stadium, and Wyoming was coming into the season with a lot of hype surrounding uh, Josh Allen as the preseason uh, offensive player of the year for the conference, and people were thinking, you know, hey, Wyoming could be, you know, a power five, or excuse me, a group of five contender this year to, to get to the New Year's six. They were thinking, you know, hey, if Wyoming can pull off this upset, maybe college game day comes out in two weeks to Laramie the Oregon game and and uh so a lot of eyeballs on Wyoming and they they ended up only scoring three points in that game um but but the approach that they took offensively I always thought stood out to me as as pretty unique compared to um the other Brent Vegan games that I that I covered in that they really tried to take advantage of uh Allen's arm strength um not so much launching the ball downfield but throwing um you know, to the sidelines or to the opposite sidelines or just making, making use of that width of the field and that, um, that arm strength that he did have to find creases in, in a, in a big 10 defense and, and try to, you know, uh, chip away that way. And, and obviously it, it didn't work as far as them getting the points they needed to, but, um, it, it kind of worked in a similar way of when you see a team, you know, run the ball, run the run the ball to set uh, to set up the play action pass and to set up that big downfield play. They they ultimately, after you know, really going side to side and, and uh, lateral a lot of the game, they finally took a shot um, midway through the game deep and and had what would have been a, a touchdown to kind of you know get that payoff and it ended up being dropped and that was kind of the game right there. Uh, it was it was a closer game than it looked for a while. So you know, ironically, that reminds me of of uh, a game vegan did coach against Polisek, but in general that was um not not uh not necessarily something that they did a ton of on offense and and you know i'm not saying that that's the approach Polisek's going to yeah. take but it's 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 an option available to you when you have a strong arm quarterback yeah and i mean we're not breaking any news here i mean because you know, we've talked about it i've you know everybody's talked about and written about it but um you know it, Tim and both Mike Grant, the receivers coach that was just promoted to passing game coordinator. I mean, they both talked about how, you know, Wyoming has to take advantage far more often of their success in the ground game. Um, You know, whether Mm -hmm. it be play action or just deep shots down the field when they have one-on-one mashups on on the outside. And I mean, we'll have to wait and see obviously what the, what the downfield passing game looks like, but you know, they don't have to go out there and complete 70% of their passes. I mean, this is just a, an offense that needs to be able, you know, when when teams are stacking the box with seven, eight, nine defenders, um, you know, you need to be able to hit some passes, if nothing else, just to try to loosen them up. And 
Um, you know, and with some of these empty sets and maybe some of these more spread out formations um, that even Mike Grant talked about too this week, um, that can also benefit your run game because, you know, it's a lot easier to run against a five or six man front, you know, but, but in order to create that, those kind of numbers, you know, defenses have to be able to respect your, your passing game and, and, and feel like that you get, that the offense can complete some passes on them. Otherwise there's no reason for, the defense to to respect your passing game. And, that, and that's really been the case, I think, the last three years, you know, ever since Allen left, mm-hmm. that um, that Wyoming's really struggled to do. And so, um, you know, Craig Bull has talked about how he wants this offense to have a completion percentage around 60, uh, about a 60% clip, um, which I think is is feasible. Now, look, the, all this is predicated on, on Wyoming, obviously keeping its quarterbacks healthy and, and particularly Sean Chambers and being developed both him and Levi Williams as passers. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that they, they, they've got the ability to, and, and they should because, I mean, it's not like the bar is very high. You know, like <laughs> this has been an offense that's completed right around 47% of its passes combined the last three seasons. So 60%, I think, is mm-hmm. is a very fair number to, to, to shoot for. And, and I think they've got the personnel to do it. I know that may be sort of strange to, to say when you look at the production, but, I mean, you look at a guy like Isaiah Nair, who's a freshman this year, who flashed really good uh, big play potential. I mean, averaged 31 yards a catch. Now, he only had eight receptions, but, you know, had he caught enough passes uh, to qualify, that would have led the nation – um, you've got experience and a senior and Aiden Eberhart and a junior and Gunnar Gentry, um, big body guys. Those guys are all six foot two, six foot three. And then the, the tight end position, obviously we, we've talked about too. I mean, you've got size there with Nate Wyman and Jackson Marcotte and, you know, Trayton Welsh is sort of that hybrid, that, can, that guy that can stretch the field. So um, I don't think it's an issue of personnel. Um, I, I just think it's, it's a matter of being efficient and making teams – um, you know, really respect the fact that, that that you can throw the ball because Wyoming has been finishing in the middle of the pack in their division in the conference, mm-hmm. despite having a championship caliber defense the last few years. And I don't think that's any coincidence. I mean, you're not going to, as well as they run the ball, you can't con- be a, a legitimate um, conference championship contender uh, with, with a one-dimensional offense. And I, I think Craig Bowles start, starting to realize that. Um, and, you know, when you have a losing season, even if it came only in six games in a pandemic-shortened year, um, you know, that you grabs your attention. I mean, you know, because that's a guy that's not used to losing a whole lot, obviously with yeah. <laughs> winning all those national championships in NDSU and then coming to Wyoming and having four straight bowl-eligible seasons before this year. Um, you know, that, that's something I'm sure doesn't sit well with him. So um, it's always funny how – how losing more than you win can – and I'm not saying that, you know, he didn't realize mm-hmm. there were some things that need to be fixed, but there's more of an urgency, I think, when you have that sort of season to improve you know, the aspects of your team that they're improving. And, you know, anybody that's kept up with Wyoming football the last handful of years knows that that's the offensive side of the ball in particular, the efficiency in the passing game. Yeah, yeah, and I think, uh, you know, the the timing is is ripe for – for Bull to really be, you know, like you've said before, just really stressing that this is something that needs to change, maybe more so than he had in the past couple of years when you've got that losing season behind you. And, and you know, even if it's just six games, that's something they hadn't done since 2015. And I, I, I don't think that's where he wants this program to be at. On top of that, you've got, um, you've got you know, a, a changeover at offensive coordinator for the first time um, 
you know, since what George W. Bush was president for yeah. for Bowl. Um, so that's it, 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 the timing is right to actually change some things if they, if they're going to. Uh, I, you know, in in your article on on pokesauthority.com where you know you you spelled out everything Tim said about you know said at his first press conference, uh, some of the ways he refers to the the struggles of the past few years and, and the and the ways that they'll change what vegan does or what he did it it almost sounds like he's referring to a coach who got fired you know when, when you normally yeah. hear that and and so i think you know we've talked we talked before about how this is perhaps a good situation for both sides for for him to get a head coaching spot but for wyoming to to try something new um but you know i think it'll be interesting to see just how new it is um you know what uh under Polisek, i mean one thing that i'm curious to see is uh if if they do sort of keep a somewhat similar mentality with some some just you know more flourishes or tweaks here and there i think um it's possible that they're actually closer to having the passing game that they need than than fans might expect uh that might sound crazy because the passing game is has been you know very subpar but um you know, if you look back at the last time this was a good passing team, which is 2016, you know, Josh Allen completed 56% of his passes that year. You know, it, right. that that was a team that uh, did not beat you through the... I mean, get, don't get me wrong, they had a great run game with an all-time leading rusher in Brian Hill, but they also, you know, didn't beat you by Peyton Manning you to death, right? They didn't... They didn't. It wasn't death by a thousand paper cuts. They, they just had the big explosive plays... And they yeah. had them frequently enough uh, to to put up points. I mean, they had. I, I just checked. I think it was ten games that year. They scored thirty or more points. Uh, I think that Wyoming would take that right now. <laughs> I think they would take <laughs> yeah. ten, thirty points. I mean, I I have to do the math, but I feel like they averaged almost thirty for at least most of the year. Um, you know, that's with a quarterback not hitting. You know, very famously not hitting sixty percent of his passes. If you can, if you can do that, still. Um, you know, if you can get those explosive plays, if if those younger or 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 you know the players that haven't shown it yet can can step up and and like you're saying, if they really do have the personnel for those explosive plays, um, you know, you just got to hit a few here and there. You don't have to be hitting them every drive. And with the defense and run game that they have, they're going to win ball games. So um, you know, if, if if their mindset is you know sort of to hey let's let's get back to 2016 and um, you know, not to say that that's the ceiling for this program to just get to a conference championship game, but uh, it, it'd be good to get back there uh, as far as where they're at now. Um, and, and so if, if that's their approach, they might actually be closer than you think. They just got to, you know, take like like Grant has said, take advantage of some of those opportunities that a strong run game creates. Now, if, if, if they truly do want to be the 60% offense, you know, completion percentage and, and, and actually... Uh, make some sizable changes i that's something that i wonder how long how, how quickly you can implement as a, as opposed to hey we're actually gonna you know we're, we're just gonna add this explosive element back in we're gonna find a way to make big plays but we're still gonna be this ground and pound offense yeah that's a good point and speaking of doing the math i mean this has been a wyoming defense that's given up about 20 points a mm-hmm. game on average over the last couple seasons if you're able to score 30 if you're able to score 30 points yeah, I mean, you're going to win. <laughs> you're scoring more points than you're giving up. You're going to win yeah. a lot more games, and you know that was sort of the, that's been the issue for Wyoming. Particularly, I think back to that uh, 2019 season uh, where they just lost so many 
one possession games because they just could not they weren't uh, multi-dimensional enough on offense to to come up with an answer when when particularly the better teams on their schedule that season um uh, you know shut down their run game and you know if they if they just had a little bit more diversity if they could you know make you know, if they had any sort of efficiency in the passing game, it can make teams pay for for loading up the box. I mean, I think they probably win. Uh, I think that they finished with five losses that year. I mean, they they could have been a a ten win team perhaps, and and been much more in the the Mount West uh, Conference uh, Championship equation. Mm-hmm. But you know, so and look, I, I know there are still doubters out there. I, I've talked to people, fans. I've you know fan interactions on on Twitter. You know, where the, there's an overriding theme that, well, we've heard this from Craig Bull before. He's talked about needing to change the, and, and things have remained the same. So, you know, we're sort of taking a wait-and-see approach. Um, and, Brandon, you might be able to talk t- to that a little bit more mm-hmm. just because you were on the beat uh, before I got here a few years ago. But there seems to be a real concerted yeah. effort and a real awareness that things have to change. Uh, and particularly in the passing game and the efficiency in that area. Because Craig Bowl, every time that we have talked to him, uh, we being the media have talked to him this offseason, he, is, he has mentioned the term re-engineer mm-hmm. when talking about this offense. And he's brought it up unsolicited and talked about how they need to be more explosive. I mean, I, I certainly understand where people and fans may be um, you know, hesitant to sort of buy into that and think, well, this is all talk. But, man, if – if this really is all talk, <laughs> considering just how much him and, and Tim Polisic and Mike Grant and some of these other coaches have, have talked about, you know, needing to re-engineer things on that side of the ball, they're doing a hell of an acting job. Uh, <laughs> because I, I've, I've never, I mean, I think I mentioned this last week, but I, I've never see, heard Craig Bull talk this emphatically about needing things to change on the offensive side of the ball. And again, we're obviously not talking about, you know, their identity because they, you know, this team's always going to be, it's going to be a physical run first team with Craig Bull. But obviously you have to become more efficient. You have to become more multidimensional if you're Wyoming and if you're serious about becoming a Mountain West title contender again. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I don't know. I don't don't see Craig Bull as quite a, uh, you know, he, He's. I doubt he's just saying all that just to say it. He he's a little bit more straightforward of a guy, I think. And 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 it doesn't behoove you to reiterate that point thirty times and then come out and not do it, right? Like yeah. they're setting themselves up for failure if it really is all talk. Um, and and, yeah. and, they're, and they're setting themselves up for a bunch of questions, right? Like if sure. you, if you sit here and talk all off season about hey, we're, this is going to change. This is we need yeah. things to change in order to to be more successful. And, and and you're sitting there six games in the next year, and you're still completing forty five percent of your passes and scoring fifteen points a game and all this stuff. Then it's like, well, you, you know, you talk so much in the off season about how things are going to be different. Why is this still a struggle? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I so, and which which those questions would absolutely be justified for sure. Way. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, it's it's what fans want to hear right now, and it's what probably some wide receiver recruits want to hear right now if they're looking at Wyoming yeah. and saying, you know, okay, you're not even completing half your passes, you're running the ball game. Why should I come out here? But but yeah, I think I think you know if you're talking that much about it, uh, you better put your your money where your mouth is, or you're gonna have some uncomfortable press conferences. But yeah, I think you know, again, to me, it kind of comes back a little bit to. The idea that they might, you know, I, I know it hasn't been fun to watch this passing game in the last few years, but they, uh, they might be closer than we think, I guess, or, or it, it at least is something that they have shown 
um, before, you know, when I refer, refer back to 2016 and, um, I apologize to just keep, uh, you know, harping on, on, on my glory days, but, but, you know, that's the last time they threw the ball very well, uh, as, as an offense. And it's kind of one of the, the, uh, I don't I don't want to say tragedies, but, but, you know, ironies of this Craig Bowl era is his best offense in that 2016 season was paired with probably his third worst defense of his whole tenure here. You know, it, they, they were opportunistic. They, they got forced a lot of turnovers, but, but if, if, if that team had been paired with the defense from the next year, you know, I, I'm not sure that they don't, you know, win 10 games and, and win the conference title. But, um, you know, it's, if, if you are going to go, and again, I don't know which, which direction they'll go, but if, if you really are just trying to implement a few more explosive plays here and there, you, you've got the rest of the team structured where you can win because you can run the ball and, and you can play defense. Um, you know, I think the personnel still, you know, I, like you've mentioned, uh, Isaiah Nair has, has shown some things, but I think the personnel to me is still unproven. Um, you know, I think that's that's a big thing there. Uh, back in 2016, they had some skill players who were brought up, uh, brought to Wyoming under the uh, Dave Christensen era, and, and, you know, that was obviously a little bit more explosive of a, an offense. And, you know, you know, I just wonder, does this, does this team yeah. have a Tanner Gentry? They've got a Gunner Gunner Gentry, so they should, uh, you know, have something to work with there. But you know that team had uh, two of the best receivers in the conference. You know, a, a tight end who'd go on to you know play significant minutes in the NFL um, and an all-time leading rusher. That said, I don't think they have to be as explosive as they were with Josh Allen. I think they just have to be moving in that direction, considering how good the defense is now. So I. Um, you know, I, I think fans would take anything close to that 2016 offense. Um, I, I do think, you know, it, it can be a little, a little bit maybe more fun to watch a team that, you know, every drive is gonna not go three and out as opposed to one that, you know, Hey, we'll yeah. run the ball. We'll have, we'll have a good number of, of punts, but every so often we'll blow, you know, break off the big play and it'll be enough to win a, uh, you know, a, a 21 to, to 14 ball game. But, um, you know, I don't know. I, as far as, as winning versus entertainment value, which one I'd rather watch. But but I think if, if you can find those big plays, um, it it might be uh, – it they might be a fun offense to watch sooner than later. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, you know, Tim also said that, you know, if, if they're throwing the ball like 40 times a game – you know, they're going to be in, in trouble. So, I mean, don't mm. – you know, nobody's saying they have to do that and they're not going to do that. But it's – from a personnel standpoint, it's also hard to get in a rhythm, you know, when you're only throwing the ball 15 times a game and, and each receiver is getting like two targets a week. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's that, that's hard on anybody. So, I think they have to they have to find a happy medium there. But, you know, the, the first step in, in addressing a problem is admitting you have one, right? So, <laughs> um, you know, I mean, they've done that you know, time and time again this off season, uh, talking about the coaches and all we can do is wait and see to, to see what, what it all looks like, uh, come the spring, which reminds me, um, Craig Bull said that Wyoming is, is tentatively scheduled to, uh, begin spring practice on April 6th. Um, but Brandon, go ahead and, uh, wrap it up there. I do want to say for, real quick that, uh, next week's podcast will be coming out a little bit earlier 
uh, than usual with the uh, Mountain West basketball tournament starting on Wednesday. Um, so we're, we're going to get this podcast out of, but before then, um, to sort of preview that and talk about, uh, the conference tournament a little bit. So, uh, look for this podcast, uh, couple days earlier than usual next week um but be sure to uh stay locked into trib.com and pokesauthority.com for all of our coverage uh, you can follow us on facebook and twitter at pokes authority you can follow me on twitter at davis e potter follow brandon on twitter at b foster 91 uh, this podcast is on itunes google play spotify and omni so be sure to subscribe and download it and give us that five star rating Uh, Brandon, appreciate you joining me. Thanks to all of you guys for listening, and we will talk to you again next week. Thank you, David. We'll talk to you soon.